0: Welcome back to Tuesday at Dobbs, from here in Cornwall. I'm here for four days seeing family, been here for four days, heading back off tomorrow at about 9am for the 350 mile drive home in about seven hours, I think it will take. It's Boxing Day morning today, so apologies if this does come out a couple of days late, but as soon as I'm back in London, I'll go through and edit this with Monica. As always, thank you so much, everyone, for your feedback and getting in touch. Best place to do so, comment section below. And if you've got a longer story, maybe with some pictures, you can send an email, hi at Tuesday at and the Instagram page, Tuesday underscore, at underscore Dobbs. I'll begin, I have to do this quite often with an apology to begin this. My pronunciation of certain bikes is is just completely ludicrous last week i did a piece on the baja boxer 150 indian motorbike that has taken africa by storm this is the african's bike of choice whether you're taking a full family of four on the back of a bike or whether you just fancy ripping around the mud tracks of africa this is their bike of choice and it's not pronounced baja because it is not a spanish brand it's pronounced Bajaj, and I'm hoping that's right. That may not even be right. But I had a lot of people pulling me up on this. Gaurav said, Freddie, it's pronounced Bajaj, like Ba-Jazz, not Baha. It's the same company that makes KTMs and smaller Triumphs in India. Bajaj has captured the African markets due to their affordability and reliability. I overlooked this. Last week, I I completely overlooked the fact that Bajaj is the brand that is building Triumph's new 400cc bikes and they're also closely linked to, I believe KTM. This is a, a biking company that seems like it's potentially starting to take the world by storm. Certainly in the African market, they've just got the African small displacement motorcycle market completely locked down with this 150cc bike. I also realized last week that, slightly more embarrassingly, I've been pulled up on this. I was pronouncing the Yamaha Tenere wrong as well. It's the Yamaha Tenere. So apologies, but that's all out the way now. I will try and remember those and not make the same mistakes again. I move on. Ah, how much, how much do vehicles, actually sell for. I touched on this about three weeks ago when I was going through a few really, really valuable motorbikes. And I said, have you seen the prices of these old classic Hondas and Suzuki's? 15 grand for 50 year old bikes. The values are going through the roof, but a big number of people said to me, yes, look, Freddie, they're advertised at these prices. It may say this bike is for sale at 15,000, but a vehicle is only worth what a vehicle is worth. It's only worth what someone is willing to pay for it. Now I'm a serial classified searcher. I don't actually buy anything, but I just like looking. So I thought I'd prove a point by showing six vehicles, cars and motorbikes, that I've saved recently to show you how much they've come down in value and how long they've been for sale for. These are all slightly edgy vehicles that command a high premium, but it just shows how difficult it is to sell more expensive vehicles that are potentially slightly older. Classics are difficult to sell. Example, 1981 Renault 5 Gordini, that was nine and a half thousand pounds. It's been for sale over a month. The price has now been reduced to eight and a half grand. Another one, Honda CB750, listed two months ago. Price was 7,950. Price now, again, a thousand pound drop, 6,995 pounds. How about this? Range Rover. I love these cars. 1991 model, Range Rover. 28 days ago, if you would have bought this immediately, this would have cost you £22,000. Now the sellers reduced the price to 17 and a thousand. That is a four and a half thousand pound discount in 28 days. Let me quickly do three more. Audi S8. That's the really sporty, colossal Audi. 2002 model listed five months ago, still no sale. Reduced from six and a half grand to four and a half grand final two here. Audi S2 Coupe 1995 model, 14,000 pounds for sale for, but it hasn't sold in three months. And the final one, I'll do a motorbike. Triumph Bonneville T120 listed a month ago was 6,295 pounds and now reduced 5,295 pounds. That's a 1,000 pound saving. Shows a few things here. Genuinely true, vehicles, you can put whatever price you want for it for sale, but it's worth whatever someone thinks it's worth. What will someone actually hand over their money for? It also shows with these classifieds, buying privately, if you can just hold off and wait a month or so, you can push these sellers down One, two, three thousand pounds plus sometimes. There are colossal savings to be had. I'll move on to Mark. Mark sent me this article over from Cycle World. The title, KTM Owner Moves Production to China. The Piera Mobility Group, I believe that's an Austrian group. Piera Mobility Group is cutting costs. After acquiring or after acquiring, the original Austrian KTM brand, the Piero Mobility Group, has grown to be the number one European-powered two-wheel manufacturer with 190,000 bikes sold in the first half of 2023, with a sales revenue increase of 16.5% over the same period in 2022. That is huge figures. This decision was made to further focus the activity on the four motorcycle brands that constitute the group KTM, GasGas, Husqvarna and MV Augusta. In addition, Piaggio Mobility Group will cut listen to this, will cut 300 jobs at its production plants in Austria and will transfer production to its partnerships in India with Bajaj and in China CF Moto. The relocation has also included some R&D, research and development activities. This move is based on a sharp analysis of the economic and financial situation in Europe, with 2024 looking at a contraction over 2023, especially since European Central Bank confirmed it will keep interest rates at the present level. The situation already forced the group to trim dealer networks, to make it more efficient. This is where it gets even more interesting because the Piera group have recently bought a share in MV Augusta. So I continue here. As for MV Augusta, Piera Mobility reassured or reassured the manpower in the Scherana, the Scherana plant. This is the Italian plant where MV Augusta are made, that the group is very confident in one of the most legendary makes in the history of motorcycling. I wanted to follow this up from Visor down. Just one more point here. The title of this one, KTM parent group to take over MV Augusta. The Piero Mobility Group will take a majority stake in MV Augusta following on from its initial investment in the Italian firm last year. The Piero Mobility Group which currently owns KTM Husqvarna GasGas Gas, first took a chunk of MV Agusta in November of last year with a 25% stake in the Italian brand. It saw the Austrian firm take over control of MV Agusta's distribution and purchasing in October 2023, while the Italian manufacturer continued to build its own motorcycles. This kind of hints at me when I read this out that if they've got such brilliant economies of scale, so Pierre, group with their Indian and also Chinese connections, could we be seeing in the next few years, potentially MV Augusta, the manufacturing, the research and development being sent over to India and China? Could a brand like MV Augusta even even lose their manufacturing base in Italy? Would that be harmful for the brand or would the cost saving potential outweigh that? I think there are some brands for me, some brands that I really do want kept in a specific country. An MV Agusta ideally in my eyes would be one of them. I move on, a Honda loving Australian. Freddie, I was interested in your comments on the Honda CL500 last week. I bought one a few weeks ago here in Western Australia and it's fantastic. So easy to ride, almost like a push bike with an engine. It's nimble and economical. Last year I bought a Honda CB500X, which I still have. Then early this year I bought a new. Royal Enfield Classic 350 reborn in Helsing green. It is a beautiful bike and lovely to ride. However, I sold it after seven months and 700 kilometers because it was just a bit un- underpowered for me when heading into the hills, hence the CL500. So I'm back to an all Honda stable as the two 500s join my 33 year old st 1100 in the garage dave i'm delighted to see st 1100 that's the pan european delighted to see one of those back on the channel again i think it's jointly one of the most praised bikes and such a good bargain one of those i'm sure you can get one for about two thousand pounds or so and every time i see australia yes gets me daydreaming Such a beautiful place to ride and drive. Moving on, autism, the Ural, and the USA. Freddie, I have a question. Have you ever ridden a bike with a sidecar? I have a son who is 28 years old and has autism. And I thought one way, maybe the only way, to enjoy bikes with him will be to get a sidecar so we can travel around at least part of the USA. I've never ridden one, but just wondered if you had any thoughts on sidecars. Look, I don't think it will fit on my Triumph Speed Triple. No, I don't either. So I'd be looking at a completely new rig. Dave, Dave, put everything down, get your pen and paper. I've got the setup for you. I remember I was in Tenerife when we were there for eight months and there was a, a sidecar setup. I had no idea what this was. And I posted it on YouTube and people were like, Freddie, how, how can you not know what that is? It's a Ural. That is a Ural sidecar setup. Ural's are, I believe, Russian manufactured Sidecar setups, but they're two-wheel drive. So both to the best of my knowledge of the back wheels on the sidecar and the motorbike They're both powered wheels. I believe and tell me if I'm wrong They're loosely based on a very old BMW boxer engine With the rights to use that engine bought by Ural and now they specialize specifically in sidecar setups And this is a great thing about them it's not a normal bike that you attach a sidecar to. These have been made out and out to be ludicrously tough, genuine go anywhere vehicles. I mean, just have a look on the website here. They're going through one foot of water. They're going up steep banks, torrential rain, filthy mud and they look incredible. I would say very, very confidently. There is no question if I had the money for a sidecar setup, I'd be straight over to the Ural showroom. This is for me, the coolest looking sidecar setup. They've got the spare tire on the back of the passenger compartment and you lift that up and there's a boot underneath it. They've got a beautiful, simple utilitarian charm to them. And if you can afford it, if you can stretch to it, Dave, I would say there is nothing cooler than this setup. I took the liberty of going on a US site to see how much I can find you one in the US and prices start from around about six to seven thousand US dollars. But if you can stretch up to around about the $10,000 mark, if that's possible for you, have a look at what you can get. Very, very deep kind of khaki army green color one, lovely condition, just three and a half thousand miles. They've got those off-road tires on it. They've got the, the skid plate, Also on the passenger section, crash bars, fog lights, that beautiful looking boxer engine, really high front mudguard. Oh, they look like they're straight out of World War II. Interestingly, this one in the US has been viewed 382 times in the past 30 days. And I'll tell you something, Dave, I know from people getting in touch with me, these Urals have a proper following in the US. So if you buy one, You won't be lost for groups to join if you like that. You also won't be lost for mechanical assistance. And to the best of my knowledge, hearing from people, parts availability. This is a 2013 model, so 10 years old, available in Texas. It is air-cooled, shaft drive, sidecar, side compartments, and it is a 750cc engine. Dave, let me know if you get it. If you do, send me pics. Moving on. Still to the US, American Dreaming. Hi Freddie, as an expat living in the USA, I wanted to share with you my 2020 Harley Road King classic. I can always remember seeing traffic cops in Vegas riding old school Harleys and thought they looked so cool, especially when they take corners together side by side with matching white Harleys and police uniforms. I found a pristine Road King online for sale with 26,000 miles on the clock. And it was 23 years old. It had been owned by a military veteran who sadly passed away in his eighties. The bike was located in Houston, Texas, another Texas bike. 1200 miles away from me. So I had the photographs and the videos showing the bike starting and running from cold. And in my limited knowledge of Harley Road Kings all seemed to be above board. So I took what some might see as an unwise choice to purchase the bike sight unseen. After some horse trading, because I would have to have the bike shipped to me at a cost of $900, the deal was done. I paid 7,400 US dollars, but that is a lot. Of bike for the money. The bike arrived some weeks later and I was not disappointed. She is stunning in Aztec orange pearl, I hope you agree. Jerry, Jerry, the bike looks stunning and also I love seeing US garages because in the US, personal garages often attached to a house are similar in size to a fairly standard London. Mechanics workshop. They are gigantic. Got a flat screen TV on the wall, everything beautiful and immaculately kept. That garage, Jerry, is as big as a decent-sized studio apartment. It looks phenomenal. The garage, the Harley Davidson, the fact you're an expat living in the US. You're living the dream, Jerry. I would do exactly the same as you. It's fantastic. Congrats on the new bike. Moving on to Mike. Freddie, I own a 2016 Honda VFR 1200X cross Tora. It weighs as much as a small moon. Now on 80,000 miles and quite frankly a bit abused with minimal maintenance other than oil changes. Not much cleaning and no valve clearance checks since 16,000 miles. It does 45 miles per gallon and has never let me down. It always starts in the morning, has had three trips around Europe and takes me out on all weathers. I love it and no thoughts on replacing it anytime soon. The only issue is that an original fork seal has started leaking and that's because the fork chrome, the fork chrome has worn through. That will however, be sorted imminently. The bike still has, the bike, this is incredible. The bike even still has The original battery. Mike, I hadn't come across these before. VFR 1200X Cross Tour. MCN rating four out of five. MCN owners rating 4.4 out of five. This is an unassuming bike, but I was shocked to see two things. The weight is colossal as mentioned, 275 kilos, that is colossal. And the power is also fairly huge. 127 horsepower, Honda Cross Tourer. Right, Mike, let me see what I can get here. See what we can find for people. Honda Cross Tourer, Facebook Marketplace, 4,300 pounds. Quoting amazing bike, very good condition, well maintained, full service history, 46,000 miles, garaged, dry weather bike, three owners from new, have ridden less than a thousand miles in 19 months. Many extras such as hand hand guards, etc., etc. And quoting extremely comfortable, fast touring bike that gets 40 miles per gallon. I also think they look extremely good whether set up with panniers or completely stripped back. I mean, this one for 4,300 pounds, you get a 20, 2019, sorry, 2012, 2013 bike. Looks brilliant, looks very modern, full touring setup with no miles at all for a Honda. And it's 4,300 pounds. Such a good deal. Back now to 1982, a BMW that just keeps on going. Hi, Freddie. I have a 1982 BMW R100 RS running on CV carbs. It's just had its annual service, oil change, etc. At dot 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 103,000 miles. It may be 40 years old with over a hundred K on the clock, but I would happily jump on it tomorrow and ride across Europe without a care. I happily go away each year covering thousands of miles. I'm going to interject here. Look at these pics as I talk that burst of color from that BMW. It's rare to see such an eye catchingly beautiful bike. I, I spent about 10 minutes looking at these pics. So enjoy these as I read it out maybe over 40 years old with 100k on the clock, but I'd happily jump in it tomorrow, ride it across Europe without a care. I happily go away each year covering thousands of miles. I bought her for 2,000 pounds, two grand for such a bike with 80,000 miles on the clock. You know, it just shows, mileage is really nothing to be scared about at all. I continue, she's extremely reliable, but the beauty of this type of bike is that if something does go wrong, it's still easy to get parts for, unlike your Triumph. Incredibly rude, <laughs> unlike your Triumph, and is simple and easy to work on. No electronics to try and figure out, just one simple, basic set of mechanicals. I intend to keep her running so long as I'm able to ride. I've attached some photos below of my bike in the Picos Mountains in Northern Spain, in Northwest Scotland, Wales and Cornwall. So you can see the adventures to be had on a well-maintained, and that is the key, older bike. I'm not biased against injection, as I, I do have a first production bike to feature fuel injection. 1990 BMW K1, see the last photo as I think it complements the RS. Paul, Paul, you have comprehensively sold me on yes, old car bikes, but old BMWs. They're so special just to look at. Uh, I love them. I really love them. Thank you so much, Paul. I really enjoyed those pics. Continuing with BMW, I'm, I'm happy to see this because when I mention BMW GS 1250s and things, people often do freak out about the cost to buy and the cost of ownership. But there's a BMW here that seems to get, I won't lie, not universally good feedback from everyone, but the vast majority is hugely positive feedback. And that's the BMW F650GS slash Dakar. Let me give you a bit of your feedback here. This is from the, the dollar bill 650. I begin. A little more on the F650GS slash Dakar. They are the same bikes, except for longer suspension on the Dakar. I had a 2002 model for 19 years. Rode it 50,000 miles, ended up selling to buy a Guzzi V85. That is the biggest regret, but I can only have one bike. On to Lost Yogi. The BMW F650 was used by the Danish Armed Forces for many years. Before that, they used the G60, I believe. And yes, it's a travel around the world bike. I think the Tenerife police love the F650 as well. They're everywhere there. On to Casually MT. Freddie. I get the admiration for the F650 GS. As a BMW or as BMW has made them look or made the look and adventure reputation of any of their offerings with GS in the model name widely recognizable and popular. Last year on Marketplace, I came across a less than one hour listing, one hour old listing of a 2003 BMW F650 CS for thousand dollars. The bike ran, had 18,000 miles, no crashes or damage, heated grips, fuel injection, ABS, and good tread. I jumped on it and secured the deal. I rode it home with no problems. My plan was to clean it up and resell it for a profit, but I've so thoroughly enjoyed riding this bike that I really don't want to part with it. On to Walt, I had a BMW F650 GS and rode it all over Europe without any problems. Fantastic bike, comfortable, high mileage, and generally a lot of fun to ride. And I'll wrap it up with one more here. I didn't want to read this out because I'm on a bit of a BMW F650GS love but I need to try and be fair here. This is from Adrian. I checked out an F650GS when I was looking for my first bike earlier this year. Look, I liked it well enough, but after starting, the engine sounded like it was running without any oil. Just a few seconds, but it was concerning. I then spoke to two BMW mechanics and they both recommended getting a TransAlp. A lot of cheap GSs or GS engines are shot because servicing is expensive. I ended up with a 2001 Africa Twin, which I love. I mean, this is the reason in general that BMW cars, for example, plummet in value because the second the values start dropping, it falls into the hands of people who don't maintain vehicles. I mean, it scares me thinking about myself buying a BMW, an old, maybe four grand BMW, and treating it the same way that I treat the Fiat 500. I mean, that would be a scary, scary thought, because if you don't look after premium vehicles, they will turn into a nightmare. Onto the Tenere 1200. Again, a bike that I've often overlooked but the feedback has been completely really for this, really genuinely, completely, universally full of praise. I begin with Tenere, no, I said Tenere again. No, Tenere Traveler. 1200 Tenere Freddy is the thinking man's GS, especially at the prices they are now. I put 40,000 miles on a 660 Tenere over six years, and two up travels, false. But if mainly on-road is your thing, then the 1200's unbeatable. They're heavy, or they are heavily, sorry, they're heavy as well, but they're heavily over-engineered. Nick Sanders rides them on his world record rides for a reason. They're heavy, but not so much of an issue on road. Right, Tenere 660. Facebook Marketplace, have a look at this. Under four grand, under four grand with a 15,000 mile reading on the odometer. Surely a bike here that you can travel the world on. Green lane for fun on, proper off-roading on this. Pack up the panniers on it. I mean, for this price, it comes with panniers as well. Got that crash plate underneath protecting the engine. For 2009 bike that will do everything, that looks great fully panniered up, or just as good with it all off. I always say it, but it's tantalising what's going on in the market at the moment. And that 660 Tenere, no exception. On to Roger Mack. Freddie, as an ex super Tenere rider, I can confirm that these are incredible bikes. Look, Yamaha messed up the marketing when they launched in 2010. And by the time they updated it in 2014, the ship had sailed. The other manufacturers had launched their own GS competition. Do yourself a favor and look up how many problems owners have with their Super Teneres. That's the 1200. And it will be close to zero. If you want to go anywhere, do anything. Comfortable, trouble-free bikes, you will not go wrong with it. I move on. Honda. NC 750. I freaked out a good chunk of NC 750 riders by saying that people rave about these bikes, but there's one big problem. One very simple job in theory that requires the entire engine to be taken out of these bikes. And that's why I never put it as my top go around the world and explore bike because there's one headache of a job. And a few people said, Fred, you can't say that and not mention what the job is. And I forgot, but I had a good amount of feedback here, so thank you everyone. And instead of reading out everyone's feedback here, I'm going to put screenshots of people's input on this. I'm doing quote marks here with my hands for those listening on audio. I'm going to put all of the issues or perceived issues here around me. And I say all of them, there is really only one potential issue that could be a bit of a headache. So do a screen pause here if you're an owner and you want to save these issues and the ways to remedy them. This is from Kevin and this sums up everyone's thoughts. Freddie, the NC engine out issue is probably nothing that the average owner will ever have to do. However, if you do, it's the bearing seal on the gear selector shaft, which Honda for some reason push fit this from inside the gearbox. So if you have a weep from your gear selector shaft, you need to take the engine out in order to get to the gearbox. And although the job itself is not massively hard, getting to it is an almighty pain in the arse. Take a look here because there are a couple of people who have said you actually don't need to take the engine out if you can just kind of bend your hand and get a specific tool, it can just about be done without the engine being taken out. So have a look at that. But I take it back. Honda NC 750, I probably massively overemphasized that issue. And I'll move on to wrapping up with the bike of the week. This comes from Robert, who found this Motor Guzzi in Kensington, classy part of London. Freddie, I saw this custom Moto Guzzi V9 in Kensington yesterday and thought you might enjoy seeing it. Quite an impressive machine. This is a bike that I have probably seen two of out in the wild. You just never, ever see these. It's the kind of bike that Moto Guzzi made and you could save Moto Guzzi time and money and say, you know what, don't bother making it, it won't sell. But I'm so glad they did make it because, for one, I love unusual quirky bikes. And this is a quirky bike, those Italian little bits of charm, little bits of unusual elements there, but it's got the character with that beautiful Gootsey engine, elegant lines. I think this is a lovely, lovely looking thing. Look, they still sell these. They actually came out in 2016, 850cc engine. I think initially they came out with about 55 horsepower and you can get them in two variants, a Bobber variant or a Roma variant. They both look relatively similar, but they recently in 2021 updated it and they pushed the horsepower just like the new MotoGuzzi C 7 same engine as that, up to 65 horsepower. So that's a good solid increase that could make a big difference. But if you don't mind too much about, that slight drop in power, and if you're willing to get one of the originals from around about 2016 or so, then you can pick up first year one, 2016, off Auto Trader for £5,450 for the Bobber variant. That's in grey colour, black exhaust, Bobber styling with a really short rear mudguard Everything about it is beautiful, the the simple circular headlamp, the unique shape of the engine and the tank, stunningly styled wheels, big relatively quite high fork on the front. It all just works very, very well. And this is from a dealer, this one for 5.4K. It's only got 5,000 miles on the clock. And I'm quoting a very well presented motor Guzzi V9 Bobber with low mileage, beautiful motorbike, ready to go with finance options available. I mean, that's a left field choice. But if I fancied something a little bit different, if I were in the market for a bike, you'd probably give me there a bike that would go into my potential shortlist, Robert, that I would not have considered before. And I'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening and watching this week's episode. Have a brilliant week, have a great New Year period, and I'll speak to you all in the next one.